we are concluding this week the series that we've been doing called Believe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've been looking at uh, John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, four chapters. These were the final words that Jesus had with his disciples after the Last Supper and uh, hours before his arrest. And during it, it made us think about ourselves. If you had hours to live, who would you be with? And what would you say to them? Because this is the very conversation, thanks to John who was there, who documented the very things that Jesus said to his disciples and the prayers that he prayed, we get the opportunity to eavesdrop into this conversation and to listen and to learn to these important things. As Jesus is preparing for his death, he's preparing the disciples, and there's so much that we've gleaned and that we have learnt from those very words. Last week, uh, chapter 17, is when Jesus stops talking and he starts praying. He starts praying to the Father. And last week, Jesus prayed for himself, and then he prayed for the disciples, the 11 remaining. And then the last bit, which we're going to read through together now, is the prayer that he prays for us, for all of us right here, right now. And so let's uh, read this together. John 17, uh, seven verses, starting at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, them meaning his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you gave, you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the prayer that Jesus prays for us moments before his arrest. He's literally praying uh, a prayer to the Father for us now. I pray for those of us through the message of the disciples. And I just want us to ponder this for one second. This is the same message, the same Jesus, the same person that walked the earth, that did the very things that we read about in the book. The very person whose um, life or birthday we're going to celebrate with great joy in the coming weeks. Each generation has come and gone. We're just the latest ones. 2,000 years ago, this was what happened. And he prayed for the disciples who received the message uh, from those early disciples. And then it was passed down to the next generation, and then the next generation, and then the next generation. And we are that living on earth now generation who've picked up the baton who are running the race, and each generation has come and gone, and each generation has faced 
all number of different challenges. Right now, we look and our world has some incredible challenges. We have a terrible, terrible pandemic which continues to wreak havoc on our lives. We have um, uh, serious, significant issues to do with global warming, with climate change, all number of different uh, technological advancements in the last hundred years which have accelerated all number of challenges and changes within our lives. And despite these gigantic differences between our generation, the generation before, and five generations, and ten generations before, the basic fundamentals of life still remain. Who am I? We're seeking for um, a sense of uh, purpose and significance and meaning in lives. We want to be known and we want to know others. There's a desire and a need for relationship, the importance of family and community. They're the very same things today, even in our crazy, busy, fast, moving, action-packed lives as it was the generation before and those that have gone before us. And Jesus is praying this prayer 2,000 years ago for all of those generations that have come, but for ours today as well. We today are as frail and susceptible to the same struggles of those that have run the race before us. We struggle in the same areas of sin, our own vulnerabilities, our own insecurities. That's why the Bible is so important still today. That's why it's still as relevant, the message and the things that Jesus and so many other writers, not that Jesus was a writer, but he, was, he said the words and it was written for him, have documented for us, for our life and our meaning and purpose. Here's the message. Here are some of the things that Jesus prays for all of those others that have gone before us, for us and for our children's children. <coughs> slightly persistent but still I did a lateral flow this morning promise Jesus says Jesus prays I have given them the glory that you gave me that they that's us when he says they he means us all of us in this room and online that we may be one as we are one Jesus is saying his prayer is that we would be one with him as he is one with the Father. This uh, oneness, this, this thing that, that runs as a thread throughout all of these four chapters, this oneness that Jesus has with the Father comes out again in this prayer. He prays that we would be one. He says, I in them. That's Jesus in us. He says, you, Father, in me. That's Jesus so that they, that's us, may be brought into complete unity. Uni unity, complete relationship with Almighty God. Just pause on that for one moment, that we would be one with Almighty God, that we would have relationship with Him. And this unity would be complete relationship, that we would be one with our hearts, and with our minds. And this unity also speaks of wholeness, that we would be found whole in him. We come 
very often we use phrases and words like we're the walking wounded. We're the ones who uh, God comes to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Our strap line says on all our paraphernalia is come as you are. And we mean it that we come as we are, but God is inviting us into relationship for complete and utter wholeness and surrender to him. And that we don't have divided loyalties. Our loyalties, our affections, our devotions are not divided between uh, God and the world. That we've got a foot in both camps. That we choose to worship him on a Sunday, but then we choose to do whatever the heck we want all the other days of the week. No, God is inviting us so that we might say, you, Lord, can have it all. We only find true contentment and peace when we fully surrender our lives to him. Jesus prays to the Father that we would be where he is. He says these things, Father, I want you, uh, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. He's praying, asking the Father that we would be with him, Jesus, wherever Jesus is. And it reminded me of those verses when Jesus uh, spoke in earlier in John, John 5, uh, when he describes his unique relationship with the Father. He says this, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus was always inquiring of the father. He was often taking himself to the solitary place, inquiring of the father, abiding in him, spending time seeking his face, seeking his introduction, seeking his guidance for what it is to come. Where are you, father? And where must I be as your son? The two of them were inseparable. Literally, father, son were inseparable. Even though he'd left glory, he'd, come, he'd left heaven to come to earth, they were still inseparable. And yet it required intentionality on Jesus' part to be inseparable, to be together. Jesus is saying the same now. He is saying here, he wants his people, that's us, to be where Jesus is. And when we are with Jesus, where Jesus is, we will see his glory. We will see the kingdom come. And we prayed, another thing we prayed this morning was exactly that. God, we want to see your glory. We don't simply want to just rock up and just sing some nice songs and have a bit of a jolly and a good cup of coffee afterwards. We want to see your glory. We want to glimpse it. We want to taste it. We want to taste and see that he is good. So the question is this, where is Jesus? This is a question directly to each and every one of us, is where is he? Where is he at work in your life right now? What is he inviting you into right now? What is he speaking to you right now, personally, deeply? Where is he inviting you to go join him because he's at work somewhere in, in amongst your life right now. He is at work and he is inviting you to join him. Where? Where is that place? We're going to pray right now. So I'm inviting you to close your eyes, every one of us. And it's a simple prayer. 
where are you, Lord? Where are you at work? Just allow him through the person of the Holy Spirit to speak. he begins to speak about people and places along with it comes an invitation will you join me there will you go to your neighbour who you know is lonely but I'm there entrusted to you has spoken to you about a people group an activity just an idea a concept a vision that God has just been speaking to you about he's speaking to you about it no one else but he's saying sing my glory. Go for it. Amen. Then towards the end of these verses, Jesus is coming into land. He says, he prays, righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus, who is fully God and yet fully man, states to his Father, the world does not know you, but I know you and they know you and they, that's us again, they we know that this Jesus person that was born in a stable in Bethlehem all those years ago, we know that the Father sent him to us. The world doesn't know that. There were many people that encountered the living, walking, breathing Jesus. They met him. They heard his words. They watched him turn water into wine. They watched him feed the 5,000. They watched, but they didn't understand and they didn't get that the Father had sent Jesus to them. 
But we, if we are a believer here this morning, we know that the Father sent Jesus to us to be with us, that his love might be in us and that we might have relationship with him. Jesus, having this oneness with the Father, then takes the obedience to go without a fight, except for Peter when he cuts off the ear of the soldier. And then Jesus like glues it back on again. Well, didn't glue it, but he put it back on again. That bit uh, just baffles me. Would you not have thought in the soldiers, that's pretty special. Perhaps we shouldn't take this fella. But they do. Jesus willingly, in obedience to the Father, goes to his death for us, that we might have life. Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, the one who gave of himself for us, the one whom we give and surrender our lives to, the one in whom we abide with. This concludes these conversations that Jesus has 